Are you ready? Let's do this. All right, let's do it. This is episode 42, right? Apparently. Yeah. You're the one that does the math. Come on, man. Math. I need some help. I lost, I, I've used all of my 41. I've used all of my fingers and toes, and I'm out of, I'm out of <laughs> ideas here. <laughs> 240. Yeah. All right. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Welcome to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. Welcome to episode 42. I'm Rocco. And I'm Ryan. And this is Destination Linux. Ryan, what have you been up to this week, man? I've been having a blast. I mean, I my, my company took me out to celebrate winning uh, what would be the equivalent of like an employee of the year, which is a pretty nice. big deal. But the problem is it kept me from something else that I've been wanting to do. Oh, no. What What is that, Rocco? What is that what, box what, you have in your uh, hand? Oh, oh, oh. Oh my gosh. Um, this is the Ryzen. Now, I didn't get the processor I wanted. Obviously, if it said Ryzen 6, that would be much better, right? Much but it's better. still a Ryzen build. And I'm pretty sure by the time it's done, it will be a Ryzen build for under $300 beginning to end. So that's what I'm shooting for. That's the parts that I've got have all been super deals on sale, coupons. This Ryzen came from Newegg, but they had a special coupon for 20% off on eBay. So this was only $80 for the CPU. And then the motherboard I got for 50. So I've kept the price really, really low on this, which I think even though it's not the Ryzen build we'd all want to see from a power perspective, will still be interesting from a budget perspective and see what it can do. And then I'm hoping we can use it as kind of a streaming machine for our uh, Rocket League play. Nice. Or maybe yeah, man. TF2. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and you'll be hearing a little bit more about that soon. That's it. But of course, we have to depress our fans before we make them happy. Oh, my gosh. And so that will be our first article. Before we get into that, what have you been up to this week? Rob? Well, if you hadn't noticed, uh, there's been a huge release of some type of operating system. Oh, Windows 10 released their new um, creators update. Linux, creators update. <laughs> That's what you're talking about, right? <laughs> um, no, not quite. Uh, so Ubuntu has its has its releases now, and they were released on Thursday. And I was downloading almost every single one of them in hopes to try them. Of course, time doesn't allow you to try everything. Uh, but right, I right. did install the Ubuntu proper on my system. And wait a minute. We just switched distros. We distro hopped without even distro hopping. You you just you're you're like quantum hopping at this point, man. You you're like it's just you're out of control. There needs to be an anonymous group for you set up. The, My name's Rocco, and I'm addicted to distro. Hopping. I'm telling you, I need the hotline. <laughs> I am so, I am one of the co-founders. I'll have you know. So of hopping, yeah, yeah. You're the CEO, man. Um, that's fantastic. How do you like it? I love it. I think they did an awesome job with it. I was kind of expecting it to be less than it was i will i didn't have high hopes for it but okay every, that everything that i have tested out just works uh including the fallback session which we'll talk about and hey man i'm loving it right now so i mean in comparison we we all love manjaro and some of the other distros that we play with um 
Solus, Manjaro, all of these MX. have so many fantastic touches. MX, uh, for me, Zubuntu at the uh, one of my machines, and I've got MX on another machine currently. I mean, they're amazing. Peppermint was yeah. amazing. It was so good. I hated it. Um, how do you compare this? To Ubuntu, uh, to these other distros now that you've hopped, I mean, is there something about it that makes you go, I'm going to stay here for a while? Or is it one of those things where it's just new, so it's kind of fun to play with? I think it's more just the fact that it's new and it's fun to play with the new features, see how it's actually working out. Because, uh, you know, I had said before that I have not had a problem with Manjaro Gnome. Right. And I didn't. I didn't have no reason to switch, uh, but you know Ubuntu has its latest release. You got to try it. I mean, there's, I mean, for somebody who like us who tests things and looks for new features, it's something you got to try. So yeah, absolutely. Well, it just seems like we kind of cross paths constantly. So now that you switched to kind of a Debian based, mm -hmm. you know Ubuntu, now I'll go back to Arch. I was going to say you're going back to Arch. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems like the thing to do. All right, so what do we got in the news this week? It's Like I said, we're, our first article is going to be uh, more depressing news, but there's good stuff in here. But this, this seems to be occurring more and more where we're hearing about these exploits and attacks. And this one really made the news. If you haven't heard, it's definitely something you should uh, perk up for because it impacts everybody. No matter what OS you have, whether it's mobile or desktop, it doesn't matter. And... This is a big deal. They're calling it the crack attack. And that stands for key reinstallation attack. And apparently this is just absolutely exposes everybody to multiple kinds of attack from decryption, being able to decrypt your traffic, to hijacking your connections, to also creating middleman attacks as well. So that basically somebody can not only take your passwords, that you're using login to sites, they can see where you're going. We know the big celeb apocalypse that happened where a lot of revealing photos and things were taken, and that was because celebrities had logged into an Emmy or one of the big reward shows, Wi-Fi, local Wi-Fi that was there. And this, was, of course, was months ago, and this allowed somebody who was snooping on that traffic to be able to take the traffic while you need a VPN. Um, but in this case now, this is impacting everybody. This isn't just a single instance of somebody setting something up. This is an attack that can impact everyone. Yeah, but that's something that I always think about when you're connecting to public Wi-Fi. Like everywhere you go now, nowadays has it. And it's mm -hmm. always in the back of your mind. Do you even want to do this? Is it worth saving your data? Right. Uh, you know, like saving your data plan. Is it worth saving the minutes that you have? Yeah. Or if you have unlimited, that's great. But to connect to Wi-Fi and, and save those minutes, but then you take the risk of of doing having something like this happen. I mean, it's one of the big reasons why I, I think you should be with a carrier or be on a carrier's plan that has unlimited because of this. I was on a hotel traveling this weekend, obviously. I had that same thought you were talking about going through my head, but because I had great connection speed, I didn't have to connect to the Wi-Fi. Right. But what was interesting is when I was, and I have unlimited data, so I don't have to worry about it, but not everybody has those plans or their own family plans and that type of stuff for the sharing to try to save some money. But number one, that's a good case for having unlimited data. But number two, uh, what was interesting is there were hotel Wi-Fi spots set up. So the hotel's name, Wi-Fi, kind of their, their trusted Wi-Fi. Yep. Then again, you're trusting they don't have something or that employee hasn't set up something to, to take that traffic. But that's why you have a VPN, via VPN or another VPN service that runs both on your mobile and your laptops would obviously encrypt that traffic 
and you wouldn't have to worry about it. But the interesting thing is for people who aren't technical is there were a lot of Wi-Fi hotspots that were open that had nothing to do with the hotel, but were named and actually had stronger connections in some cases, you know, fun things that might somebody might just connect to thinking it is the hotel. Right. So you have people trying to spoof individuals within it. And this was a gigantic hotel with lots of people in it. What a perfect opportunity for a hacker. Of course, in this case, in this article, this crack attack, this is something that no matter what you choose to do, uh, even if it wasn't an exploited router or they, they didn't exploit it, somebody else could have exploited it for them and be pulling data or be becoming a middleman or something along those lines because it, it literally impacts kind of everybody across the board. Now, the good news is Microsoft, Mac, Linux, they've all put in patches for the most part. And they're going to have a list in the show notes below of some all of the distributions and things that have done patches. So Manjaro, Ubuntu, they've done their patching on it. But there are obviously some hardware manufacturers and software that has it. What do you think? Should we all just stop using the internet, Rocco? Well, this is this is scary for most people because it's not uh, that this was just a, a outside attack. This was at the the core level of the mm-hmm. Wi-Fi protocol. So, good point. This is something that you know. I don't. You know, there there is a fix for it, but I'm reading in different articles like what's going to happen next. Like, what do they have next as a vulnerability? Because this, we had talked before that this has been out for a couple months now. Yeah. Or the vulnerability was discovered a couple months ago, and they gave them a little bit of warning to say this is coming out, and they kind of were slow to react, man. I mean, they were quick to react once it hit public. Right. Like a lot of the uh, hardware firms and stuff were really quick to react in that sense. But as far as reacting before it went public, it really wasn't that quick. And, you know, how many other vulnerabilities are there makes you makes you wonder. So I'm looking at the list of hardware that hardware companies that have patched it. And of course the router that I have is not on that list. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you want Rocco's data, um, you easily use this attack on him today. So, you know, like, uh, you know, you hear conflicting reports, as long as you have your operating system patched, uh, right. you should be okay. Uh, but you still want your hardware company, regardless if, if you're okay or not, you still want your hardware company to, say, here's a patch, we've fixed this. Or it's not going to impact us or yeah, something reassuring, something. some reassuring message. I got nothing, dude. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, nah, we're not going to do anything about it. We actually like it. Um, no, but it is U.S. Cert's the one who discovered the attack. They did give manufacturers and everybody a couple months of a heads up, which props to them. They weren't trying to get some clickbait article money, ad revenue and everything else that they could have had they gone out there and just shot this out there saying, hey, this is a problem, and then everybody's trying to react. It is interesting, though, that we're just now kind of seeing the patches come in after a few months. It was either extraordinarily complex or just took a long time for everybody to get around to patching it. But again, like we say in many shows, this is why it's so important to make sure you're doing your updates. This Wi-Fi attack, and you made a good point, this this impacts WPA and WPA2 um, protocols. So what most people are utilizing across the board now that was supposed which to be was the supposed most to be the secure. Most secure yes right so, so maybe not the most but it was one of the ones that most people trust uh, as one of the newer options so 
in, in any case, definitely go out there and make sure you're updating your distribution uh, to not get attacked by this. So I hear conflicting reports also as far mm-hmm. as VPNs are concerned. Uh, some people, ha- I read some reports that said it didn't matter if you were behind a VPN or not. Um, other reports that I read say that you were protected behind a VPN. So what do you think? Well, it's interesting. My knowledge of a VPN, I'm not an expert of it, but is that you're essentially, you're encrypting your traffic as it's leaving your machine. So irregardless if your router wasn't patched or whatnot, what your router is going to receive essentially going through to your telco is going to be encrypted traffic. So I don't know how this attack specifically works, but I would think if you were behind a VPN, you would have been protected. That being the case, this is kind of... um, this is a big deal, unparalleled, I would say, as far as what somebody was able to do with your machine once they did this exploit. And in that case, maybe a VPN would have been rendered useless. With that being said, I still think you're going to be safer with the V. It's kind of like, uh, well, somebody could smash through your door with a sledgehammer if you have a deadbolt. Yeah. Yeah, but they would have just opened the door before <laughs> and I wouldn't have known the sledgehammer at least is going to wake me up. And that's kind of how I feel about having the VPN is that you're still going to want one in there. Uh, yeah, exactly. Watch. I mean, if you have a VPN, you know, it's more for the everyday hack user trying to get your info. It's not for obviously uh, if you put yourself out on the Internet. At some point, your information's out there, and we'll talk about it in this next article here. That all v, you know, using a VPN doesn't um, give you complete anonymity, but it is better to have one than not have one. So right. So on to that next article. You know, Pure VPN is a very popular VPN service out there, and it's interesting because there are some. Again, articles that kind of give you some competing uh, thoughts on the situation. But all in all, let me first start out by saying anybody who stalks or does things illegal, they're terrible human beings. I think Rocco said throw them in an incinerator, whatever. We're not, <laughs> I didn't we're, say, not did saying, I? <laughs> we're not saying what anybody did here was right or wrong. What we're looking at is, is if you are using these services to trust your privacy as a law-abiding citizen who just doesn't want all of his information out there for insurance companies or whatever your reason being that you should you know have some trust you have some trust built that this company's doing what you're paying them to do and one of the big services with the VPN is obviously they're getting your traffic yep. and you're expecting them not to log that traffic right especially when they have it in their system, in their privacy policy that they do not log at all Absolutely. So that's that's the big reason you're handing your money over and they're giving you this service back in return. Now, Pure VPN has kind of been in the news because there was a stalker, a horrible human being, glad he's got caught, glad he'll be in jail. But Pure VPN handed over some logs over to the authorities. Logs that they say that they don't have. Yes, that's right. Logs that they said they didn't have, at least according to the first article. Correct. And uh, so basically they're saying that helped them be able to identify this individual who was a stalker and they were able to capture him even though he was using this VPN. Now, initially when I heard this, the first thing I thought of is people catch people in all these. I hear people in the comments sometimes will say, uh, you don't even need to use PR or another VPN, just use Tor. Well, 
tour, people have been caught on tour. The whole Silk Road disaster was people being caught on tour. But it's not always necessarily a flaw in tour, although tour is vulnerable to things like middleman attacks and and like that, just like any other service. But uh, it's the fact that they'll log into their personal accounts. Yes. Or it's the times that they turn it off to go log into Facebook. Then they go on the tour and log into their Facebook. And guess what Facebook's doing? And so then they're able to take little bits and pieces of information Wait. because the authorities really want them and put it together. Wait, is Facebook logging something? Well, not as much as Google, Rocco. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a Facebook account. Well, you're safe. You're uh, fine. I'm totally safe. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, it's interesting. Now, the second article in here gives from PC Mag gives a little bit more, in my opinion, of what I want to believe, maybe, or I think is a more believable. Um, I think it's a more solution. objective article or an objective look at what actually happened rather than just going off the of face value of what you hear. Right. And so what they're saying in this is basically... VPN was able to determine that their service was accessed by the same customer because he was accessing it from two different IP addresses, his work and his home address, getting onto their service. But basically, it, they were they were basically taking crumbs from the trails of when he was on the VPN and wasn't. So obviously, when you log on to the service, they're going to capture your VPN initially. Your IP, and, yes. Yeah, and, and so they're basically saying that his logins into the service, they were able to determine that this is the same person at two different places before he was logging into these services. Yep. And that was part of the puzzle that came together to help the authorities basically say this guy was stalking her from work. He was stalking her from a personal computer. And yes, he was using a VPN. And they're not saying, at least in this article, that they handed anything over more than just those initial access logs, which obviously they're going to need to keep track of to make sure those initial IP logs and addresses, the number one to route your traffic, the number two to make sure, you know, who's accessing your account, who's accessing their servers, et cetera. Well, uh, so it's a little more objective. It's a little more objective. One, the police were not able to just grab this information. Uh, the right. local police had to go to the federal government and say, hey, you know, we need this information, had to convince them to do that. They then in turn went to PureVPN and said, we need this. And PureVPN turned over the IPs, which obviously you can correlate to them, him logging into the VPN, to him logging into other sites. So they didn't really give away, they didn't really log any user activity. They just right. logged his IP logging on. And then him logging on, and then I guess the feds had uh, him logging on to other sites at a specific time. So they kind of correlated it. And PC Mag went through their privacy policy and said that specifically Pure VPN's privacy policy makes two things clear: the company does collect email addresses, which is part of your login to the site. So that's not really a logging policy. And second, they're going to have information about which servers are accessed by the customers based on their IP address. Now, what they're saying they don't collect and they don't store is which software you're using, which websites you visited, what you downloaded, what you're basically using the service for, but your initial connections, your email address that you use to log into the site are things that they store. And, you know, PC Mag is saying they didn't keep that hidden. So if that's something you would be worried about, which personally, that's not why I use a VPN, I'm worried about the mass collection of data being used against you 
at a you know in a in either a court or a sabotage or something that's not based on illegal activities such as stalking, drug use, that type of thing. And if you're using it for that stuff, obviously, you know, somebody's going to want to come after you and there's probably breadcrumbs you've left behind. Right. Well, you're going to be you're going to be trusting somebody with your with your info. It's like either way. Yeah. The article says, make no mistake, when you use a VPN, you're trusting them with unprecedented access to your information. Yes, of course you are. So no matter what VPN you're using, you're trusting them with your data. That's why you must do your research and be happy yourself with the company that you choose. You can't just go and just look at reviews and say, here, I, here, I want my information with this company. You have to mm-hmm. do some really good research and check them out. See what's happened before in the past when information has been asked of by the government. Um, there, there are, in fact, a lot of sleazy VPN there services are. out there. And in fact, I was contacted for my show last week about a company that was a media company representing a bunch of VPNs. And they said, hey, we want you to do reviews on our VPN services. We'd give you login and everything else. And I said, I would love to do a review for your VPN services. You can send them over and I'll do a review. But keep in mind, number one, my audience loves Linux. So I hope they work across multiple platforms. And number two, I will be looking at the reputation of the VPN to make sure uh, before I would recommend anything that, you know, all of the sites have validated that these are secure and your privacy policy and such never heard back from right (laughs) (laughs) so i wonder why that's that's one of the things but you know we we talk about pia and they should sponsor the show by the way a lot but that's one of the ones that that generally comes up as a top rated but there are many others and i hate saying one or over the other because any company's liable i mean again you're trusting with the information to make mistakes or do something behind the scenes it's not like me and rocco get to sit in there uh, offices and make sure they're doing the right things all the time. Um, but, you know, you definitely want to do your research when you're checking out a VPN and not just one site, but many different sites and ways of checking it and looking over their privacy policy. And you made a good point one time, which is looking at past cases and how they handle Yep. Well, there's two companies that I have looked at that really pass that test, and that is AirVPN and Private Internet Access. Both of them on the surface are just like any other VPN who say they don't log. But when mm-hmm. you look at their past cases um, of that of information being requested, they seem to have a, the best track record. So, Yep. So going on to some more exciting and happy news here, Rocco, and, and I guess <laughs> I'm just going to sit back and let you roll here. Uh, Ubuntu 17.10. Ubuntu 17.10 released on Thursday. And it releases with the 4.13 kernel. And I installed it on my main machine, like I told you, and it absolutely looks awesome. It runs great. Now, how's great. the audio response doing? Like first changing audio, the notification centers, all of that. How's okay. that? Okay, well, look, it is GNOME. Okay, right. so you so <laughs> GNOME without extensions is kind of not the greatest. So I install extensions, although they okay. do make it, they do, and I don't make it hard. They just... Right. Uh, don't have it out front of how to install extensions. They want you to use it just the way it is out of the box. Most everything out of the box is really good. There are a few tweaks that I need to do for myself, and one of them is the audio input-output chooser, which is an extension that I install, and it works flawlessly. Hopefully, it will continue to work flawlessly in GNOME as it goes on, but (laughs) um, they no longer is Unity the default desktop. Obviously, everybody has heard that by now. Right. Um, 
But what is good about this is if you upgrade from any of the Ubuntu's, you will be, uh, your default session will be, uh, I guess, the Ubuntu GNOME session. Not the actual nice. GNOME session, but the Ubuntu session, which is GNOME, or their modified version of it. But you still have access to, Unity's not going away, per se. Right. It's still there, so you will still have access to log into it. It just won't be the default. Now, how long that stays, I don't know. There, It's still in the uh, Ubuntu universe repositories, so it's still there, and you can you can even install it even if you didn't have it installed before. Uh, you can just install the Unity-Session, and that will give you the access to that. Although the developers state that it will not be, it may not act the same exact way. It'll still have the same concepts. It'll still have the same uh, feel, but everything might not be working exactly because of, they don't want it to clash with GNOME. Okay, right. so they have to work it in such a way, uh, especially on the back end, that it doesn't clash with their, you know, obviously with the new default. So it'll still be there if that's what you're looking for. But I mean, the, if you're not a GNOME fan, you probably should just get a different flavor of Ubuntu versus trying to stick with something that's kind of supported, but not really. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, I guess certain businesses or things or educational institutions is going to take them a little longer to switch over perhaps I, I don't i don't i really don't know what the case it would be why you would want you would be forcing yourself to stick with unity at this point if it's going to be unsupported other than you just have so much familiarity with it and you're stubborn that I would guess. be i mean i think the familiarity would be the only reason to switch with it i mean okay it does work i get well. people may not like gnome but i'm saying there are other flavors of ubuntu like xfce yeah <laughs> etc <clears throat> that <clears throat> xfce I, did you say something? It sounds Zubuntu. like you were clearing your throat. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that you could use if you wanted it, but if, if you're not a fan of GNOME out there. But, you know, one of the big reasons that I've, I was not as excited about Ubuntu releasing is I was playing around in the beta, and on my main machine, I switched it to the beta 17.10, mm -hmm. and I got a black screen. And I knew right away it was Wayland. Because it's the same thing I get with Fedora or any Wayland supported OS in my NVIDIA card. The second I go to log into it, black screen. And But there's I'm, a fix for that. So tell me about it. Okay, so they have a fallback session, basically. Mm -hmm. And when I installed uh, Ubuntu, right. I was on the Wayland session running an NVIDIA card, I guess, with the open source drivers. Right. Okay, so I had no issues whatsoever. So I obviously am going to game on this, so I want to install the proprietary drivers. So I installed the pr pr proprietary NVIDIA drivers, mm -hmm. went and restarted the machine. As soon as I went to log in, it went to a black screen. But it You said there was a fix for it. <laughs> but it immediately went back to the login awesome. screen. And I was able to log in under Xorg. And with that, Okay, like before you install the NVIDIA proprietary drivers, you get the option of running either uh, with the little cog button there. You can drop down the menu and you can run mm -hmm. uh, Wayland or the Xorg or any other desktop that you choose. Like we said about installing Unity, if you install the Unity-Session, that will also be an option there. Okay. With the Xorg, with me installing the proprietary drivers and then logging in and logging out, right. I no longer have those options. So right now, I don't have the option to run Unity 
if I wanted to, uh, unless I switched, I guess, display managers. I would have to switch from GDM in order to see the actual uh, cog again, because what they do is they remove it all together so that you're only able to log into Xwork. Which I think is a fantastic workaround. I I am so happy to hear you say that because we we were talking about this before. Ubuntu just works. It just works. Like if you screw up your machine enough, that's where your go-to of getting your machine back alive is generally Ubuntu. Its installer is, is about as flawless as you can. Although I will say recently there are a lot of distros I could probably put under that umbrella. But at least back when I started in Linux, Ubuntu was the most trusted. It seems a lot of them have caught up. By putting a simple fix like that yep. of being able to detect that you switched to proprietary, you still get the black screen, but then it switches you back so you're not stuck there forever and tells you, hey, you're going to use Xorg because Wayland isn't supporting NVIDIA proprietary drivers at this point, or NVIDIA is not supporting Wayland via its proprietary drivers at this point. So you're going to use this and you could still get the same experience. It's fantastic. That's that's Ubuntu. That's what you expect from them, right? Yes. And you expect it to just work. And that it yeah. did. Okay. So I log in. I have pretty much everything I'm used to having, except for it doesn't allow for extensions. Because there's, there, it's not installed. Oh. Okay, so GNOME Tweaks is not installed. Um, and then when I install GNOME Tweaks, for some reason, I don't know if it's a bug or not, but when you install GNOME Tweaks for the first time, uh, you have the Ubuntu dock, and there's another one, and I can't remember what it is, that's installed, but they show as being off. So I hmm. flip them to being on. It doesn't change anything. They're on by default. So I guess uh, they override the GNOME Tweaks where they don't need GNOME Tweaks to have it say it's on but either way um you flip them on and then you can end up installing extensions you have to install the uh, uh chrome uh, gnome extension thing and then you can install extensions which is something that i personally need but out of the box everything ran perfect and it has so far all of this time. Now, I need certain extensions like the audio input outs chooser so i have to install those extra things but if you're wanting uh this to be like Unity, where it just works, it does just work out of the box. And they have the Ubuntu dock rather than dash to dock, so that's kind of... Hmm. And and there again, you have to install dash to dock extension in order to change any of the features of the Ubuntu dock. Once you install the dash to dock extension, then you can change some of the uh, features of the Ubuntu dock, but you have to first install dash to dock as well, so... Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's very good news. So you give it a thumbs up. I give a it a Rocco th- five stars. I give it a thumbs up. And I will say that all of the, I tried Ubuntu Mate and mm-hmm. that ran really well as well. Um, I didn't get to try all the other flavors. So I'm sure in the coming weeks, maybe we can get uh, some of these guys back on the show. Maybe Martin Wimpress, maybe uh, Dustin from Ubuntu Definitely. Budgie. Yeah. We can get them guys back on and talk about all the features. So I didn't get the chance to check out check all of them out, but. This one's pretty good. Nice. Wait, I got one more thing to cover. In oh, that. okay, okay, okay. Go ahead. When we talked about the Wi-Fi uh, vulnerability, right? all of the new ISOs, I confirmed with two separate people, all of the new ISOs that you would download today have the Wi-Fi patch in the ISO itself, even without updating. 
And, and that's that, like breaking news. That's an important point to make. I, I almost missed it, but uh, that is something that everybody should set everybody's mind at ease because it, the ISOs were frozen, so they weren't planning on making new ISOs. Um, wow. But uh, they did, for some reason, I'm not sure exactly why they did create new ISOs, but they did, and the patch is in all of them. So That's fantastic news. So, you know, Gnome's not the only sheriff in town. Obviously, the best desktop environment is XFCE. But there's another one out there that a lot of people like called KDE. And there's some news there with KDE Plasma 5.11.1. There's a total of 34 changes. So I think they listened to this podcast and have taken every critique and fixed it (laughs) right here. Uh, Unable to switch users from switch user screen, fixed. Uh, pinned applications and task manager erroneously shifting around, fixed. Application progress and task manager no longer working, fixed. Um, so lots of big fixes and changes there coming in KDE. And of course, obviously at the beginning, I was joking, Rock and I both love KDE very much, very, very much. Well, they're on a uh, a big scale of, or a schedule, I mean, for putting out releases and 5.11.2 will be October 24th, which by the time this releases uh, will be the following day. So <laughs> this one point one is, is almost out and or just out and 5.11.2 will be out in a couple days. 5.11.3 will land November 7th with 5.11.4 on November 28th. And, the last uh, end of life for 5.11 will be 5.11.5 on January 2nd of 2018. I mean, this follows XFCE's update schedule. Right? Perfectly. At least. Uh, oh, wait, that's not different years. <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> yes, this isn't. I thought it was 2017, 18, 19, and 2020. Yeah, this is not October 24th of 2018, okay? <laughs> a day from now. <laughs> Too funny. All right. All right. What so else do we have in the news? LibreOffice is also getting a new look for the KDE Plasma desktop. I liked its look. What was wrong with it? There's nothing wrong with the look. Okay. Oh, okay. It, it looks okay, except for certain parts. Okay. Certain parts of it don't look the greatest. Okay. It looks you. What it is is you have the KDE Plasma desktop and you have the outer look of uh, LibreOffice, but then when you open up dialog boxes and stuff, kind of looks a little wonky. So they are working on fixing that. And LibreOffice 6.0 will arrive in late January 2018. And it will Mm -hmm. come with a new look for the KDE desktop environment. Now, we don't know everything about it, of how exactly it will look. But there are little tidbits. And it's improving. Okay? And that's what you got to look at. So I think it's pretty awesome. Is this something you ever noticed yourself? Uh, Or is this just... I did really? notice. It. Yeah, I did notice it. You're yes. like, I can't work on this. It's terrible. <laughs> it's ridiculous. This dialogue <laughs> box is terrible looking. No, it's not. It's nothing that like when you notice it, you're like, eh, okay. But when you then see what it's going to look like, then you're like, oh yeah, that did look pretty bad, and now it's going to okay. look better. So I think it's great, man. Plus they're improving on the high DPI displays and uh, the Wayland server. So they're doing a lot of fixes and um, this will be coming out, like I said, in January, 2018. So look forward to Libra's office 6.0. All right. Well, you know, we were talking about private internet access before, but this company is also involved 
in supporting Linux. Obviously, natively, you can install it in a lot of distributions. Generally, it's, their instructions are generally Debian-based, but you can get it to work in Arch. There are repositories for it there everywhere. Uh, and they're supporting KDE as a patron now. So they're giving some money uh, to these. And you were mentioning that they're also a part of other patrons as well for other desktop environments and distributions. Private Internet Access is a big supporter of Linux, um, from mm -hmm. Linux Mint to Ubuntu Mate to many others that they support. And they're adding KDE to the list. So, so on top of all the stuff we gave you about how to look into a good uh, uh, VPN service, Supporting Linux would be a great one to also checkmark as well. And PS certainly nails it there. You know, they really should sponsor us as much as we talk about them. <laughs> All right. Ubuntu 17.10 Mate. Yes. Ubuntu Mate is pioneering pre-installed Snap support. Tell me why this matters, Rocco. Well, this matters because there are many. You can install Snap on most of the distributions today. But mm -hmm. what this does is this takes for the first time and puts a default application of the desktop as a Snap app. So you have Pulse Mixer um, is going to be as a Snap as the default on Ubuntu Mate. It's the first time that this is happening. And I think you're going to end up seeing a lot more. It's almost like a trend that's going to just keep rolling. And you're going to see a lot of applications that are... Uh, going to be default in systems uh, that has the snap architecture. So I think it's awesome, dude. It's like a precursor to the next wave. That's fantastic. So, you know, one of our favorite guests on this show, one of the many, but one of our favorite guests is Ike. And he's just not been doing nothing. I mean, we got this new update news and we're like, what is he just sitting around eating Cheetos all day? He's, no, that's not no he's not eating Cheetos. He's been ridiculously busy, and it's showing. He's got so many awesome things here that are so technically over my head, but sound really cool. <laughs> but some of them that I actually do understand what he's doing sound even cooler. I mean, let's go through the list here. Like some of the stuff he's doing with with Steam alone, you were saying this not even just for Solus. This is this is for anybody yeah. that wants to use it. Well, which first, is so Ike. He just helps everyone. There's a lot of work in Solus that's behind the scenes that helps everybody in the Linux world, and not everybody realizes that. But he's done mm -hmm. some fabulous work that just that helps all the other distributions as well. Um, so they did update the GNOME yeah. stack to 3.26.1 along with uh, GStreamer. And that was a total of, or roughly it says, 400 packages were upgraded or rebuilt. Okay, that's a ton of work, dude. Okay, so yeah. uh, Gnome Online Accounts uh, had some improvements. Uh, Epiphany had some improving, improvements. Uh, Noise, the music player, uh, had some things fixed on it. But the big thing for me is the improvement with as you said, Steam integration on Linux. And mm -hmm. I don't understand all the technical stuff, so I'm not even going to try to you know, sit down and tell you, hey, this is what happened. I'm sure Ike could sit here and tell us exactly what happened. but And make us laugh at the same time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he has done so much on the back end that allows uh, Steam to yeah. use libraries that normally aren't there in every distribution that fixes things like shortcuts being broken and... Uh, full screen videos not playing in games just because of a library shortcut being broken and that kind of stuff. So this is all improvements, like I said, that will help other distributions, not just Solus. It's awesome. 
Yeah, and he's making, you know, we talked about Solus before as being one of the premier distros that just gets out of your way, and that was his main call, you know, his main focus with the distribution and some of the fixes like driverless printing now being supported by default. So you just click your button. It's going to be in the list as the printer you choose and you're done. And I don't know about you, but there are times in certain distributions that getting a printer installed is just, it just takes you back to like the eighties of trying, (laughs) you know, like back when printers needed 16 floppy disks in there and then you can never get the ports right. And you're trying to configure IP addresses for the printer and it's just a disaster in some distribution. So uh, obviously driverless printing is a big deal because if you have a printer that supports it, it makes it super simple. Being able to just go add printer and see your printer there in the list this is just a big deal. And little things like that really make the distribution get out of your way, right? It makes the operating system get out of your way and allow you, oh, I need to print something. I'll add my printer and go on about my business versus making it this huge technical fiasco. Yep. So love it. And a ton more updates to like the adapt the theme, um, all kinds of different there. I'll put the list in the uh, show notes, but you'll have to read it all. It's absolutely amazing. The work that gets done, man. And did you mention the 400 packages that were upgraded or rebuilt? I think I mentioned the 400 packages. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's ridiculous. He's been busy. Just a tad busy. All right. Quick hit. Fedora 27 now under its final freeze. Yep. You use Fedora? No. Good, because I can never get it installed. So now I don't feel bad. (laughs) Every time I try to install Fedora with Wayland support, all I get is a black screen with a blinking cursor. I guess that's because of all my NVIDIA products. I've never been able to get Fedora to run even on non-Intel-based systems or uh, NVIDIA-based systems like my Intel-based MacBook. I had a Dell I tried to install it on once. Now, OpenSUSE is often compared with Fedora. You'll see a lot of articles like, which one do I install, Fedora or OpenSUSE, if you want to kind of get into the more technical side of Linux or want to be a system administrator. This might be a distribution you want to play with at home. But I've never been able to get Fedora to work. So a lot of people love it. I guess it's not made for me. They they must have banned me on their list. As soon as I downloaded it, it creates a fake ISO or something. Well, look, I don't like XFCE. Okay, I won't say that. <coughs> oh my. I, I like XFCE. I just don't want to run it every day as my desktop environment. But we still talk about it. So that's why we're talking about Fedora. Okay, because I don't necessarily want to run Fedora either. But it is in the Linux world. It is a major desktop. So... There you have it. So it, October 17th did mark the final freeze for Fedora 27, and they're shooting for a release on October uh, 31st. Uh, this just in, uh, XFC doesn't like you either. <laughs> <laughs> I wish the XFC developers would come on this show. I really do. Because I yeah. don't hate XFCE, okay? No. I just bust on it because it's easy. All right? Because I use it. Because you why. use it, more or less, yeah. I use it. So... Um, it may be delayed until November 7th, uh, depending on what bugs they find. And apparently, it's not uncommon for Fedora to be delayed. So, Well, well I downloaded new Fedora 27. I tried to install it through a virtual machine because you can go download the ISO now. Could not even get it to work through a virtual machine. So, But good luck if you can get it to work because it's got all kinds of new features in there. But do note that Fedora 27 also features 32-bit support 
Still. I did notice that on their site. So just in case still you're still running a 32-bit machine, a lot of the distributions, a lot of the OSs have dropped 32-bit. Fedora is still supporting 32-bit. So, And there's all kinds, you know, it gets updates along with, it has the 3.26 GNOME on it. So a lot of updates for it. So you may want, if you're a Fedora supporter, you may want to check it out. Mm. So in other news, Xorg server security vulnerability patched. In all the Ubuntu releases of 17.4, 16.04, and 14.04 LTS. So more patching underway to make sure you are safe and sound. And this is just a quick reminder to update your system. Okay, there you Keep go. it updated because these kind of things are big time if they end up hitting you. Uh, but if you keep your system updated, you'll be fine. So this is going to get me all kinds of worked up here. Oh, my gosh. This next article, I put this in here just to get you angry. As angry (laughs) as I was when I read this this individual article about the year of Linux never happened. So when is it Chrome OS's turn? And this Michael Allison that wrote this article may be the nicest guy on the planet. Maybe he donates his entire paycheck to charity pets kittens on the weekends but my gosh does he have a misunderstanding of linux in the linux world in here there are so many things in this article that it's just like wow okay so one clip of this article says the concept of linux being ready for the mainstream with users confidently running it on their desktops sadly never happened What? <laughs> I run Linux every what day. What world does this guy live I'm in? I'm telling you. Okay, I know it's not mainstream. Okay, I know. I don't want to, you know, fool myself into thinking that everybody's running Linux because they're not. Okay, and I get his point that mainstream meaning the mass population. But nobody in their right mind was expecting the mass population to run Linux this year. Okay, we said so we talk when we talk about the year of Linux, we're talking about how much it grows, how much it um, gets popular with more people, not everybody, more people. The more people it gets popular with, the better off it's going to be. So will there ever be a year of Linux as far as mainstream? Who knows? But this well, article has well, way be, more than that in it. Yeah, well, let's be more specific too. Linux is about as mainstream and more mainstream than Windows or any other operating system when it comes to things like servers or your cell phone. You know, those things that run the entire world of technology that you love so much. So when you talk about mainstream, that that word annoys me to pieces because it is like NASA or the telecom companies or the banks or the ATM machines. Is that not mainstream for you enough, dude? Well, he he admitted in there, <laughs> Linux has succeeded almost everywhere else. Servers, devices, embedded. Not ex- just succeeded, dominated. Just not on the mass of desktops. And I guess that's right. a truthful point. But the, I, the angle that he's coming from is completely off base. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he goes on to say all kinds of really edgy stuff for a lover of windows and somebody who knows nothing about linux um so he talks about you know the fact that linux is unpolished raw and difficult yeah i mean first of all do you think rocco and i could use something unpolished raw and difficult well let me rephrase do you think (laughs) i could use something that's unpolished raw or difficult i mean during the 30 days of linux challenge when i was i expected what he said 
and that that's the problem is he's spreading what when I when I did that challenge, I never expected to stay with Linux. Yep. I thought I'm going to go back to Windows as soon as this is done and utilize Windows because that's what I know. That's what I made my living off of. And here he's kind of showing that without ever going experiencing it himself. Maybe he went, you know, back in 1992 and downloaded Red Hat Linux or uh, Linux from scratch. And he's like, oh, still difficult. But if you go and download any of these distros, they're easier than Windows. You don't have to search for keys. You don't have to sit there and find special drivers to get things to work. Those days are long gone. Long you install gone. it, unless it's Fedora. You install it and it goes. <laughs> it just works. I mean, so I, I don't know what the what world. I don't know what he's talking about, Rocco. Well, well this article he's goes in La La Land. It, well, the article goes all over the place, talks about Chrome OS and why it's not as popular as, say, Android. And I guess not. It's not going to be as popular as Android. Everybody's phone runs Does he Android. Do even know what they are? I mean, like, okay, <laughs> you know so. a difference there? So along with the Chrome OS, he talks about um, uh, the Chromebooks and their new high-end, what is it, the Google Pixel, yeah. whatever. But. Going back to the quote, I'll quote what he said about what you talked about raw. It says, perhaps it's okay that the year of the Linux desktop won't come after all. Wow. Mm. Linux is unpolished, raw, and difficult, whereas Google's operating systems are far more polished and consumer ready. Wow, dude. Like, I mean, I don't under, he must not have tried Linux in the past year. To sit there and make the statement. Now, you want to compare it to how if it's as polished as Android, you could sit there and argue all day long. But to make the statement, it's unpolished, raw, and difficult is completely untruthful. Google operating systems are far more polished. You want to know what? Anybody can make an operating system really polished that's just a browser that allows you to browse the web. I mean, all of the tools that you use within a Chromebook are still sitting there available within the browser of Chrome that you install on any OS. There's nothing, if you want to say, I'm not saying Google stuff is bad, but there's nothing innovative outside of what you could do in your own browser and another distribution with Chrome OS. Now, they're working to create apps and things that go across the board from Android there. But when you talk about a complexity factor, comparing Chrome OS to a distribution or even Windows for that matter, or Apple iOS or, or um, Apple's Mac OS, you comparing those to a full-fledged operating system to what amounts to at this point really just a browser phone interface with app installation capabilities you can't compare the two talking about polish now google's attempting with their new 900 laptop to change that a little bit to start adding that full-fledged pc experience in there but to compare them at this point and say one's not as polished as the other I don't know. It's like saying that your Android phone's more polished than your Windows operating system. They're, they're for two different complete purposes. Yep. I mean, so, I don't know. Okay, so we need to stop talking about this. because this It's is making bringing, me it's, angry. It's bringing me down, dude. It's totally bringing me down. <laughs> well, let, let me bring you up here. Imagine a AAA first-person shooter on Linux. When I say AAA, one of the most popular Game of the Year winning games out there Wait, Cole, wait, wait. Is this something you've been playing this week? This is what I've been playing this week. We're talking Borderlands 2 and Borderlands 2, the prequel out there. And man, is it awesome. Now, Rocco, you didn't see me playing this at all, right? I seen you playing this most of the week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you were doing. I've got to turn wait, off that steam feature. I'm talking like all night long some days. 
I mean, this was this was ridiculous. I was obsessed. I used my my Linux machine runs and streams down to my Steam link downstairs. And so I was able to game on my uh, screen downstairs from the comfort of my couch and play Borderlands. And it is Borderlands 2. It is such an amazing game. First of all, beautiful graphics, but more of a comic book, but very high end comic book like elements to a first person shooter. Uh, so think maybe like a Blizzard take on it, but not as cartoony or colorful as Blizzard, but kind of like that cartoony first person shooter. But super fast action, fun, amazing storyline. Tons of RPG elements as far as upgrading your characters, getting newer weapons. You're constantly battling inventory, but in the best way possible. You've got 16 awesome guns, which one, and you can only carry eight. Which one do you want to use? I mean, that's the constant battle within the game. And in the story, will have you laughing. I mean, straight up laughing from beginning to end. Now, if you have small kids, I will tell you there's some language in there. So if you definitely have headphones on or if that's something that's offensive to you, it may not be the game for you. But otherwise, an incredible, incredible soundtrack, graphics, AAA title on Linux, plays beautifully, had absolutely zero issues uh, within the game. There were no technical issues, so it was a very, very good port, and I was able to stream it from my machine down to the TV. How awesome is Linux? Can I get an amen? All right. Wait, I thought it was unpolished, raw, and difficult. Oh, yeah, so difficult. You can't do anything with it. What is this browser button I click? Oh, my gosh. All right, well, uh, there is another game that we are going to have to play and stream here. Man. People are going to be excited about this. Okay, so I think. Team Fortress 2 has an update called Jungle Inferno. Uh, and it comes with Mercenary Park, all right, which is a pack that has five new and, get this, community-created maps. Okay, so this wasn't just, you know, the, the company itself saying we're going to make these. This was community all ba all based on community development. So yep. there is a new five new maps are Lazarus, Moss Rock, Banana Bay, Enclosure and Brazil. They've also added new taunts. Um, they've added the Yeti Punch for all classes, the Yeti Smash. And it, there's videos <laughs> in here. I'll, I'll leave the link in the show They're notes. So funny. The videos are hilarious, dude. And, yeah. you know, TF2 is like uh, more of like our cartoonish type first person shooter game. Yeah. But it is absolutely a ton of fun to play. It is. It, I've played so much TF2. I, I would actually be funny to go on my Steam and see how many hours I've put into TF2 over the years. But it's one of those games that when you really just, it, it calls you to come back to it and then you'll play it for a few months and you'll play it so much that you wear yourself out on it and then you'll come back to it a few months later and just fall in love with it all over again. My wife, she got so used to hearing, because I always play the engineer, the tink tink sound. That, that became the thing. She'd be like, oh, gosh, you're playing Tink Tink again. So I'll be <laughs> trying to create my turret, you yep. know, in the corner. Um, so it's just, it's such a great game. If you've not played TF2, it's kind of a staple of amazing first-person shooters. I love, after all these years, they're still updating it. Obviously, you can play it in Linux. Wait, it works on the raw, unpolished, difficult operating system with Linux? Yeah, it's like you got this install <laughs> button, and you I don't know what to do with it. You click it, or what? I mean, what is wrong with people? I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> How do you game in this thing? This is ridiculous. Oh. 
All right. Crazy. So have you ever played a game? Now, this is not my style of game. It's an RTS game. But have you ever mm-hmm. played a game Mushroom Wars? Uh, is this like because my wife hates mushrooms, so she pulls them off the pizza and throws them at me across the table? Mm, no, it's not quite like that. But it is <laughs> not Mushroom Wars. <laughs> All right. <laughs> then no, I've not played it. Well, Mushroom Wars 2 is out mm-hmm. and it is on linux right from the get-go imagine that another game it. that works great so on linux. unpolished <laughs> <laughs> it's so, so confusing with the desktop and stuff all right now i was gonna say this game looks like a ton of fun it's 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 one of those strategy games where you kind of got like a battle arena element. Um, almost one of the, what do they call the tower games, tower defense games? Yep. It almost looks like in the videos it has those. But when I looked at it in Steam, I mean, the it, it, overwhelmingly positive feedback on it already. It's only $14 to pick it up. They're giving you. It's fourteen ninety nine you know, to be exact. Fourteen ninety nine to be exact. You know, he's not going to miss a pixel or a penny. <laughs> Did I tell you about the pixel I found in Ubuntu being off? Oh my gosh, you didn't. <laughs> was it really off? It was really off, dude. It's what, really tell, off. Tell, tell people where to find it so you can be like rock. Okay, I don't know if it's going to be on anybody else's system, but on my uh-huh. system for the panel right. at the top, the top right mm-hmm. where the um, tray is for like the power options and shut off and everything. When you drop down that menu, the pixel length of the actual drop down menu is one pixel lower or higher than the actual panel. It's like there's a <laughs> pixel line missing across the top or across the bottom of it. And I don't, uh-huh. I was like, I can't believe I, I can't believe I just saw that. Cause I is mean, it, is it driving you nuts? It, it drove me nuts as soon as I saw it. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe that. That's ridiculous. Why would they put that in there? <laughs> or why wouldn't what, they what, take that out? What's the color of the pixel that's missing? It's, it should be black it, or white. No, or... it's supposed to be the uh, Ubuntu brown i guess it is the ambience theme like for, as far as the panel and then the ambience theme goes across but like i said the drop down menu has a little uh gap okay and in that gap there's a the pixel line for the bottom <laughs> of the drop down menu is one pixel higher than the panel okay back to mushroom wars 2 <laughs> <laughs> there are no pixels missing in mushroom wars 2 they're saying uh, so this is a strategy game, tournament ready, league system, ranked matches, if this is your style of game. So it looks very cool to play and a lot of fun and people love it. They Apparently you were telling me people love the first one and I went and looked up the reviews and they definitely already love the second one. So Mushroom Wars 2, I won't be able to convince Rocco to pick it up, but if that's your type of game. No, it's definitely not my type of play. game, but uh, the people that do like RTS uh, seem to love it. So, hey. Now, Rocco, I told you how much I love Borderlands, and I mean it. I think it's one of the best first-person shooters out there since Doom and Doom 2016, which is probably, in my opinion, the best first-person shooter ever released. So that that's telling you a lot. Now, I picked up Borderlands and Borderland, Borderlands 2 and Borderlands the prequel for $10 together because of an awesome company, Humble Bundle. Correct. And they had a promotion out there where you could get, I think it was like six games. It took me forever to load the keys in Steam, and it was only $10. And then some of your profits or some of the money that you spend, even with those low amounts, just that $10, you could sit there and set how much you want to go to charity, how much you want to go to the developer. It's amazing. I love Humble Bundle. And yet, 
Something's happening. Something's happening with Humble Bundle. Isn't it always the case that something happens? Humble Bundle has been acquired by IGN. IGN is a pretty big uh, company. And um, it has the potential to direct Humble Bundle away from what they were based off of. Now, there are many articles about this out there and, you know, you know, there's a quote in the article that says, if it's not broken, don't fix it. And in the short term, they say uh, they don't plan on making any big changes. But the key words are short term. And I don't know. What do you think, man? I mean, the, a lot of the press releases, they're trying to get people to calm down. They're saying things like they're going to continue to operate independently. We're just giving them extra resources to make sure we can accelerate their growth, etc. We know that Humble Bundle has been launching some different, um, you know, options for their customers. Like they have a subscription option now, which based on what I'm able to tell, kind of gives you a certain amount of games every single month from their bundles. And if, you know, they had a lot more Linux games on there, which is starting to happen, starting to it, happen. Would, it would be something I would actually be interested in subscribing to. I mean, the amount of games you would have in your library would be monumental. Uh, but the big fear, of course, is big corporate Goliath. They see money-making opportunity. And what are they going to do with that opportunity? Now, if it's just something where they're going to put more promotions behind it and try to create, you know, kind of a Steam-like environment and continue to support Linux and Windows and also continue to support the thing that made Humble Bundle so unique, which is the charity element yeah. of it, then fantastic. Welcome to the family, IGN. We'll shake your hand and love you forever. <laughs> but the problem is this doesn't tend to always be the way big executives deal with companies. They like to make it the same for a while, then rip it apart, cheapen it up, and make it non-existent. Well, there's many questions of, you know, do they go away from offering Linux bundles uh, or or bundles that have, a, you know, quite a few Linux games in right. them because you know, it doesn't offer as much money? Or, look, Humble Bundle has, according to uh, Jeffrey Rosen, who is one of the co-founders, they have raised $106 million for charity That's through amazing. Humble Bundle. And you can amazing. pick the charity that you want it to go to. That's the key. It's not just we're taking your money and we're going to put it to a charity that we think. You can use your own values and your own judgment to pick a charity mm-hmm. that you want it to go to. And part of that purchase goes towards charity. So $106 million, which is absolutely awesome. The question is, does it stay that way? Yep. I, I really hope so. Humble Bundle is something that I think is beautiful in the gaming world and a way of giving back and also getting something great in return. And it's just such a fantastic idea. I understand why somebody wanted to acquire it. I hope they stick to the values. I really, really hope so. Because if they don't, frankly, Humble Bundle will fall away and be non-existent. People won't continue to support it. Why would you? I mean, if they take away the core values of it or try side, why wouldn't you just go buy it on Steam at that point? So, yep. or I don't one know, of the Metagog or any of the other services. I don't know where the angle is, uh, you know, because you never, you got to follow the money trail with big companies. So, yeah. there may be a, a money angle somewhere along the line to, to buy it so they can kill it off. Who knows? But uh, we'll have to let it play out. But hopefully, like you said, it stays the same. Well, speaking of chewing up companies and spitting them out from big giant corporate Goliaths, 
Visceral Games is shut down, which comes to a surprise as no one once EA got a hold of them. Because <laughs> EA just loves tearing the the documents off of the companies they purchase and throwing them in the trash after they're done with it. Yep. So their studio, Visceral Studio, will be ramping down and closing, according to this article. And it says we're in the midst of shifting as many of the team as possible to other projects and teams at EA. So apparently Visceral was working on a Star Wars-based universe game. And trying to stay authentic to Star Wars is not always the easiest thing to do, but that was their goal, was to focus on a a story game uh, based on Star Wars. And now that's like in the middle of that project. Yeah, They're shutting it down and they're pushing uh, the development out to EA Vancouver. Right. I don't know. Uh, so let, let me translate all this for you um, because I speak corporate. Do you speak uh, corporate? Being in there for 18 years. So our visceral studio will be ramping down and closing and we're in the midst of shifting as many of the team members as possible to other. So what that means is we're laying off everybody, but we're going to give them an option to take a lower paying job in another country if they want to uh, still continue to be on. There are two positions out of the 20 that we had available. Uh, so that's translated that. Uh, what was some of the other stuff? Removing the team to another storyline? Yeah, they're, well, VA Vancouver is going to take over the game of that they were currently working on. Yeah, these other guys, as soon as they're done with that, will be laid off as well. <laughs> what else do we have? <laughs> so <laughs> this game is supposed, to, well, was supposed to launch in 2019. So it's not like this game was, um, you know, around the corner, but it is mid-development. So right. uh, it, who knows if this is even going to actually come of about Of course now. it won't. So I'll translate that for you. We're now moving our resources. We'll pretend we're going to do Star Wars, but it'll be Madden 2048. They'll actually be working on. And uh, that, You're so negative, dude. You're so negative. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, EA is is um, relatively one of the most hated companies in, in gaming, for sure. And at some point was actually rated the most hated company in the world, which the company that puts that together was really mad because Bank of America was number two. Um, and, and EA was at the top. So EA just has a terrible reputation for doing what they're doing here, which is, you know, they're going to take these popular studio uh, platforms like Star Wars. And if they do release them, they're going to do it with ways that make the game end up costing $400 loot boxes, uh, pay to win platforms, plus charging you $60 plus $140 special edition that comes with equipment that actually like I mean, they just, everything they touch. And unfortunately, a lot of game studios follow EA's patterns because they're they're successful with this disaster because apparently a lot of people have too much money to spend. So their success actually makes a lot of people follow in those footsteps. And it's very unfortunate because as if you're a game developer and you've you know spent your time in developing games and you get to work for a big studio and finally have a steady paycheck, it's moves like this of absorbing these small companies and basically getting rid of the talent and just stealing the licenses, which is what EA, I believe, is a lot of what EA's goal is when they acquire these companies. It's just to get their licenses for the games and then get rid of them. Because, you know, Visceral Games, we're talking Dead Space, Battlefield Hardline, some amazing licensed games out there that now EA will probably ruin. Yep, pretty much. What else do we got? All right. The last thing we should cover probably is this article on Green Man Gaming 
for mm-hmm. the top sales for October of 2017. So there is a top 10 list of the game, top selling, top selling games, mm-hmm. and there's only two that are on Linux, dude. But at least Linux is on there at all. <laughs> I mean, you're you're a glass half empty kind of guy. I'm, I was I'm a glass half empty. Did you hear your last monologue? <laughs> <laughs> you had EA article in there. You knew what was going to happen. Um, yeah, there are many games actually on this list that I would love to play. Number one, Cuphead is a game I want to play. It 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 is so it's like that 40s cartoon style. It, and it just looks so much fun. I don't know if you've watched it yet, but yep. the, it's a newer game that came out. Looks like a lot of fun. The South Park game is is something that could be fun. Um, the Destiny Two. Uh, Destiny Two is a big one. I don't know. Yeah. Now, Middle Earth: Shadow of War. Of course, Linux awesome is coming game. soon on. Awesome yeah, game. And, and we know you love that game. Deuce X: Mankind Divided is an amazing game. Yep. Uh, if you've not had a chance to play that, and of course that has Linux support. Evil Within 2, if you love those scare games, would definitely be one uh, out there that uh, a lot of people would love. But that's Windows only there. So Yeah. And the last one would be uh, Middle of Earth, Shadow of Mordor, one of the best games ever. But that right. runs on Linux. Well, there's one more piece of news that we were missing here. And that is back when we had the Manjaro team on our episode, as well as we had Station X out there on a prior episode, some of our favorite and most popular interviews we've done. Those guys, those incredible guys, Philip, Bernhard, and Eddie, have officially launched the most drool-worthy Manjaro-based laptop on the planet. And they taunted us, Rocco. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they literally taunted us. They took this picture of these these awesome-looking dudes are sitting in this lobby, hotel lobby, it looks like, holding this beautiful laptop. Yep. And, and they've got this smirk on their face, like, look what I have, and you don't. <laughs> That's what their face expression is telling me. I don't know about you. Did you pick that up, Rocco? I, I did pick that up, that they were, yeah. they were, they were drooling over the laptop showing it so i can no no they're smirking at us yeah well (laughs) now they we do want to mention that they do have their it's ready to order uh for pre-release so if you're looking to support a uh, a linux based laptop uh this is this is one of the best looking machines out there right now so check it out we will leave a link in the show notes and, and I thought you would like this. In his note, he says, we spent an exciting day together at the old Codebreakers facility from World War II in Bletchley Park, where Station X has its headquarters. But see, that's what I noticed in the picture, because all of the backdrop of what they were standing in front of was absolutely awesome. Did it look yeah. like a movie oh studio? Oh, gosh. It does. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And they got like a roped off old style typewriter in the background, as you know. Uh, Station X likes to name its laptops off of old World War II yep. jets and things like that, fighter planes. So very cool. Very excited for them. Congratulations on that release. And I know it's going to be successful for them. So that's so awesome. So what do you think about us opening up some things for the patrons for Destination Linux who support us on Patreon? We've got to because our patrons have done so much for us and it's time we give them some additional perks that that they just deserve. They, they, they support the telegrams. 
they they've supported the this these uh, episodes every single time, making sure that we have the ability to keep producing this show. They deserve something better than what we've given them, Rocco. We've treated them terrible. <laughs> we've treated them like EA. It's like You're EA bought <laughs> Destination Linux. And that's how they're being treated. Well, one of the perks of uh, being a patron was that you would get the show a day early, okay? Mm -hmm. But we're working on some extra perks or maybe switching the perks to going to a live stream for recording as far as maybe allowing people to go in and listen to pre-show of how we get set up and everything. And it obviously would be a long, you know, our shows are usually about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. So it would probably be a two and a half hour show <laughs> the way we are. Um, but we're working on that. So if you have any interest in that, let us know. And if you have any suggestions on ways to go about it, we'll be glad to hear them. So there are many options here just to kind of expand upon that where you would be able to, as a patron, potentially listen to the pre-show and things, which Rocco and I, oh man, if you're not disappointed in us yet, you're <laughs> going to be really disappointed when you find out how this show gets put together. But really it's behind the scenes conversations and things that happen before the show while we're reviewing the notes, talking, there could be all kinds of different things, or it could be having those some of those excerpts cut out from the show that don't get included in the hour yep. and something you would have viewed to. So there are all kinds of options we have there, but those are the ideas that we have. But we want to give more back. And so if you have some ideas or some things that you think would work or you would love to see, hit us up and let us know because we definitely want to show the love back. Yep. So there's a lot of upcoming things in the next couple of weeks. Like I said, we're going to try to we're working on a couple of different interviews that um, mm -hmm. will be exciting. I don't want to announce them yet because nothing's 100 percent, but definitely really some exciting, exciting interviews coming yep. and uh, hopefully some extra stuff for the patrons. So stay tuned. Definitely. So where are we going to find you this week, Rocco? Well, I'm hoping, I'm hoping mm -hmm. that not only hoping. will we maybe get to play Rocket League, but maybe, just maybe, we'll get to play Team Fortress 2. That would be so <laughs> awesome, man. If you thought we were bad at Rocket League, you just wait. Uh, so some spies zapping my century. I, I can't wait to hear that. I will say that um, I have switched jobs. Okay, so that's going to affect, uh, I'm on a completely different shift. So that is going to affect Friday Night Live on the Big Day Linux channel. Okay, yeah. so we may end up turning it into a Saturday Night Live. <laughs> so. Boy, we're not going to get sued for that one, are we? <laughs> so just in case uh, I am not around on Friday night, try to check it out on Saturday night because I think that's the direction I'm going to go in because Friday night is pretty much going to be out of the realm of possibilities. So where are we going to find you this week, Ryan? Well, I've got a new video that I just haven't edited. It was uh, brought my brother, Chad created gods and nemesis game over to play borderlands with me. And it's really cool watching these videos because you kind of get a developer's perspective on a game. So we're playing borderlands together and we'll be releasing that video. Also, the Rise and Build is really, 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 really going to happen this week. Or the next <laughs> week. Um, so though I'm going to be doing a video from beginning to end of building the computer. So those of you who have never built a PC, you'll be able to see that, as well as doing Linux installations on it. So if you're wanting to uh, move over to Linux, if you haven't already, then that would be a good time to kind of see a beginning to end process of doing it. So we'll have the Rise and Build. We'll play with it. We'll do all kinds of different things with it to test and play. And uh, that's what I'll be working on. That's awesome. Yeah. 
All right. A big thank you to each and every one of you out there, not just the patron supporters, but every one of you that listen and watch every week. It's much appreciated because without you, we wouldn't be here at all. So totally thank you very much. All right. So everybody have a great week. And remember, the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. Say something, Ryan, will you? Why did we start this with Microsoft has fixed the vulnerability? It's Clearly, you put Linux. that in there because I never, ever would put a Microsoft article into this. Yeah, except for this, this time. time. Well, that's why I got one of these. Quit being smart, dude. <laughs> Don't like it. it. Bothers me. All right. All right. Let's see here. Let's see. Is this close enough? Yeah, I'm eating it. Let me get. Let me scoot closer here. There we go. Is this close, Rocco? <laughs> <laughs> what are you thinking, dude? I really like this new article. Jesus, man. Uh, <laughs> we have too much fun. I'm telling to be you. Illegal. That's what makes it fun, though. I'm telling you. <laughs>